HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If your food media diet is fueled by HRN, become a monthly donor today. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This episode is brought to you by Washington Wine. Download the Map My Washington Wine app. It's Map My W-A Wine and get all the Washington Wine right in your hand. Washington Wine, this is now. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in the rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen. Another week has passed, and we're back in the virtual studio. Still in the virtual studio, you know. I, I watched the John, you know, John Oliver, and you know, for over a year now, he just complains about how every opening of every show is how he's in the this white void. I think of that every time we open the show <laughs> because we're all in separate places and we can't see each other. And uh, you know, I'm grateful that we've been able to do the show consistently throughout this, thanks to the team at HRN and Amanda, of course. But um, you know, it's uh, it's not as I don't know wholesome it's not as good it's not as fun as it is when we're in the same room together there's um, less pizza there's yeah. less pizza. and, and, and our like, void isn't voiced by john benjamin so you know there's that <laughs> that's right. right archer slash uh bob from bob's burgers yeah <laughs> and we i've I, it's been at least two years since i've been iced by david wondrich uh in our studio you know uh, like, yeah david <laughs> noah sure did that helicopter uh trip ever get sold uh do you remember they offered they offered the helicopter trip yeah, I, I guess not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, least, at least we at least we didn't hear or read about it. Um, yeah. Well, you know, let's let's follow on the foothills of uh, last week's episode where we were talking about, um, you know, lots of bars and restaurants that uh, really kind of started in San Francisco um, mandate well not mandate lots of bars and restaurants choosing to uh, only allow patrons to come in the door if they can show proof of vaccination or a clear uh, COVID test. Um, and now, since then, in New York City, uh, I think we're the first city to do it at, at, from the government's angle. Uh, now it's a requirement to go to bars, restaurants, gyms, uh, um, theaters, and uh, I think there's one more, right? Uh, so now it's a mandated situation. What are, what are your thoughts on that, guys? I mean, I think I think it's great. Um, you know, Grand Army, we, uh, we started doing it a, a few days ago, and honestly, it's been working out wonderfully. Uh, there doesn't seem to have been any issues so far, um, but we have a lot of smart people who uh, frequent the bar, so it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's a you know your bar and you know many other bars of friends of ours. You know, uh, the Up and Up, uh, Leanda. Um, I assume that if Leanda did, then Clever Club did it. Bar Goto, Bar Nibon, lots of great bars in New York have uh, had already kind of started it themselves. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's that's a great quality of leadership and, and sort of showing us the path forward um, and, uh, uh, you know, having it now mandated by the government, I think, is a relief for the for the bars. Frankly, for my bars, I wanted to, to get on board with this already. Um, but, you know, I have partners and investors to answer to, and they weren't necessarily as keen on the idea of, you know, fearing the backlash from the public. But now that the government has stepped in and said it's mandated, um, I think that takes the onus and the burden off of us as operators. You know, we can we can whether we agree with it or not. And I, I frankly, I do agree with it. 
um, but I can at least look at someone who maybe is starting to get irate with myself or my staff and just say, look, the government says so. It's not me. You can blame them. Show the ID or keep on walking, you know? Absolutely. You know, it really kind of takes me back to, you know, almost like six years ago when we opened Grand Army, people would try to bring their dogs in. Uh, and I know it's quite a bit different, but whenever they, you know, get upset about not being able to have their dogs there and we don't have, we didn't have outdoor seating at the time. You know, I would always just go on this huge tirade about how the government's holding us back with like service dogs indoors and all this stuff. And I'd go on this like political soapbox and I'd give them my business card and be like, get in touch with me. I'm going to get you in touch with the right government officials. We're going to write letters to our Congress people and we're going to get dogs in bars. And, and so I would always just kind of like put it on the government and, uh, I, and that's you know, how David very effectively got none of those people to write him back a, a never, letter. Never, not one that. person wrote me. <laughs> no, no, after I, like, you know, sometimes you have to be the loudest person in the room uh, yeah. to just get things done. But it was like, I, I would do that on purpose just to get people to kind of shut up and leave me alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't have to, don't allow dogs in bars. Sorry. Um, but uh, I, I kind of feel that that same kind of, I don't want to say I'm trying to punt it off to someone else, but yes, I am. Absolutely. I'm glad that the government's actually like stepped in and said, this is a thing. And I, now we can say, no, talk to the government or well, don't get vaccinated. It's not, like, it's not like you're trying to punt it off to someone whose job it is. And it's the fucking government. Yeah. We right. pay them to do this. Yeah. And like, on the one hand, you know, it makes me really proud to see people like, you know, uh, um, restaurateurs, bar owners, like people like in the service industry of all stripes, people that run like massage parlors, people that, I don't know, are are like manicurists or whatever saying like, no, sorry, you can't come in if you're not vaccinated. Like this is, it's your right not to get vaccinated. It's my right to refuse you service on the basis that I think it's bad for my health. And like, that makes me really yeah. proud, but it also pisses me off so much that like we're having to carry the water and like pave the way for the government because you know, they're, they're worried about poking the bear. Like it's your job to like, you know, it's in people's best interest. You know, the science, you know, you know, there is no actual debate about whether or not this is actually helpful. Like 99.99 or excuse me, 99.95% of people who are dying of COVID right now are unvaccinated. You know what the science is. You just, what you're afraid someone's going to say something mean about you on TikTok? Like fuck you, man! Like do <laughs> do what you're supposed to do with the taxes I pay and protect people. Sorry. Yeah, do the difficult job that you asked for. You you know, as a as an elected official, you asked for this job and we gave it to you. Uh, so do the difficult job and, and take on the difficult tasks that are involved. Yeah. And, I, again, and, there's, and there's consensus like you, Souther, you ran an Instagram poll about this this week, right? On a, on, I did just you know, yesterday. Uh, not you know, scientific. It's not uh, Pew, the Pew Research Center. But. Yeah, not, not, even, not even a bit. <laughs> I, I posted up uh, on my Instagram stories. It's still up. It's 22 hours old, so it's almost going to expire. But uh, I just posted a link to a story. Oh, now. Says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> vote now. Get your votes in now. Um that just the story title was COVID live updates, New York City to require vaccine proof indoors at restaurants, gyms and more. I wrote under underneath. I am relieved to hear this. I think it's the way out. Are you in favor? Uh, and thus far, 22 hours in, I've gotten uh, just uh, under 600 votes. 546 of them are in favor. Only 50 say no. Now, granted, there could be some sort of bubble that I'm in because of, the, you know, my followers are, are you know, maybe follow people that, that you like. So maybe my followers are like, like-minded to me. But again, as I said off the air, I think that my personal Instagram creative drunk is, is very, uh, you know, it's mostly cocktail stuff. So I think everybody on both sides of the aisle likes cocktail stuff. So I think I have a, an audience here that's, that's pretty mixed. Um, and I just, I don't know, man, I think it's the right thing to do. I think there, I think that we, uh, as with most things, we see the negative reports the most, right? So, you know, one guy uh, gets crazy on an airplane and yells about having to wear a mask, and we see that story a thousand times. But that doesn't count the, you know, the other hundred plus passengers on that and every other plane that were happy to comply and do the right thing and, you know, perform their civic duty to protect themselves and, and their fellow citizens. So, I don't know. I think it's the path forward. Yeah, and and ultimately, it's a, it is a... 
polite nudge. You know, it's not some shit eating meme dunking on people who live in, a, you know, for, for through, through no fault of their own, live in a media bubble that is very, very different from ours, that is peddling them things that are patently false and dangerous. You know, it's like it, people, people don't choose the environments that they come up in. Right. And we're in a, a time, tragically, where people just do not have access to truth and basic facts. Um, and that, which is not to say that there aren't bad actors out there, you know, there, there are, but I think that the way to get through to people who, you know, maybe have genuine questions because this is a medical procedure, you're allowed to have questions about medical procedures before they get squirted into your arm. The way to get through to the people who have legitimate facts is the, you know, gentle societal push of, Hey, I run this business. I think that based on the data that I have, this is best for my safety. I'm asking, I'm acting this way based on, you know, concerns for my safety. I would encourage you as someone who would like to patronize this bar to do the same. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, while we, while we wait for, again, the people whose salaries we pay to actually do the right thing. <laughs> right. Well, I think, uh, again, it seems that we're all in agreement here. It seems that, you know, Damon's already leading the way at his place. I, I can't wait until we start doing it at my uh, spots. Um, I went to Grand Army, by the way. Got, yeah. to, got, to, got to flash the picture of my Vax card on my phone. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Did you use the Excelsior Pass? No, no, I just, I, I, just I went photo. super old school. Yeah, I took a photo. It, it didn't, I meant to do it portrait. So it's landscape <laughs> and it's sideways. It's just written, it's, it's a work of art. It really is. Yeah, nice. He went, he went super old school by taking a digital photograph on a, on a computer that he carries around in his pocket. Um, yeah. Uh, Real super, analog, baby. That's super old school, Greg. <laughs> and then I drank some Nick Cage cocktails. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> well, you were at Grand Army having cocktails and oysters. Uh, I assume. Um, I, of let, course. Uh, let's talk about cocktails and oysters. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Sounds great to me. Who, nice who should segue. we talk about cocktails and oysters with? <laughs> well, in the virtual studio today, we are pleased to have Georgette Mosier Petrosky, who is the author of the uh, a book regarding cocktails. And now in her home here in New York City, she operates a salon called Regarding Oysters, where she takes in uh, groups of uh, people and, and teaches them not only how to make cocktails, but also how to shuck oysters. Georgette, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Heather. Great to be here. So glad to have you. Finally, we've had we tried to have you on a few times. We've had some technical issues, et cetera, but we finally got you in the virtual studio. Happy to have you. Ah, thanks. How are things progressing with regarding oysters? Wow, it's been nuts, and in in the best possible way. Um, it was uh, it was launched in uh, September of last year. Uh, you, Souther, were an integral part of uh, just kicking me out of my comfort zone and saying, just launch it. People yeah. will come. Yeah, yeah. I think I just kept saying, Dawn is better than perfect, right? I, I said, um, the wallpaper isn't up on the wall. And, you know, the whole experience needs to be immersive. And you're like, it's immersive enough. Just get it going. And so I did. And um, now, of course, the wallpaper is up. And, uh, and it's even uh, better than in the beginning when a little few of those early kinks needed to be ironed out. But yeah, it is It is such a great time. Uh, up to six people uh, I host in these two-hour sessions where they learn to make uh, two cocktails from the pages of Regarding Cocktails. And they uh, they learn how to shuck oysters uh, right at the shucking station that I set up. It's been, it's been such a great time. Awesome. Yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about sort of the origin of this. What what exactly made you come to the conclusion that you needed to have uh, during a pandemic that you needed to have groups of six people come over uh, and uh, shuck oysters and drink cocktails with you? Yeah, I figured there has to be some not only legal loopholes, but some some safety uh, things that we needed to work through. So the the maximum amount is six. And during the pandemic, uh, everyone needed to be quarantine buds, you know, people that were in each other's pods, um, preference to people with antibodies. Uh, nobody had vaccines yet, but people did have antibodies and people were being very responsible and potting together. So I took temperatures um, of everyone that came in. Of course, contact tracing was automatic because when they signed up through 
the regardingoysters.com website, everybody's information was there. So very easy to do contact tracing. Um, there's a working fireplace in the apartment. So even though it was winter, you just throw the windows open and the radiators high in these old buildings anyway, and the fire's going and it's, it's toasty, but well ventilated. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything, everything had all the boxes ticked. So. Well, I'm, I'm always intrigued by people that decide to do this because this seems to be, I don't know, three is not necessarily a trend, but it seems to be a thing that's picking up. Like, you know, we have uh, my friend Matt from Covert Cocktail Club, who's been on the show a couple of times, runs a bar out of his kitchen island. Uh, recently, I went to a place in Sunnyside called Eli's Mezcal Room. Same <laughs> basic deal. And and now you're here, Georgette. And I'm always, into, I feel like so many people have the thought that I should just run a bar out of my house. But the leap from thinking that to actually doing that is such a wide gulf that I'm always intrigued by the people that actually go that length. So what was, what was the, what, I guess I want to know if there was one moment where you're like, I'm actually going to do this, or if it was just sort of a gradual snowball process where it eventually became inevitable. Yeah. So, I mean, how it really started was um, during the pandemic, I lost all of my work as a travel writer. I lost all of my work as a beauty editor. And I also lost my roommate who uh, moved to Queens uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And now I had to figure out how to pay the rent, how to pay bills, uh, what to do. Uh, I immediately filed for a PPP loan, uh, which was based on the prior year's salary, which was a very good year. So I put that towards, uh, to, you know, stocking with some really beautiful vintage barware and filling in the collection. And the bar itself uh, was a discovery when I was in Hudson, visiting, visiting with some of the Hudson family from uh, Sasha's last bar and uh, stopped into the, uh, the antique store out there. And I went in for some throw pillows, but instead I was in this Stanley Kubrick tunnel vision of this beautiful, uh, 1800s perfume counter bar from uh, from New Orleans, and it was just love at first sight. And that night, I just kept dreaming about you know, serving people here and and maybe teaching them how to do just simple and elegant cocktails from the book. I mean, everybody was you know shaking Negronis at that point and wanting to be Stanley Tucci. And and at the time, my book was out of print, so I thought, you know what what a better way to, to do this than to just, um, you know, have super small scale uh, cocktail making classes here. And then the, uh, the extra element, the oysters element uh, was, was discovered when I was with my friend Meg on her boat. Uh, she has an oyster boat in Southhold. She's a farmer. And she said, Oh, come along, do a harvest. And this is the girl that taught me to shuck years ago. I remembered how rewarding that was when I finally mastered uh, shucking so well. And then teaching it was also really fun. People felt oddly empowered by this simple thing that they learned of shucking an oyster. And so I thought, well, if I can teach people how to make cocktails and oysters, I think I'll really have something here. And so, yeah, that concept came to be on her oyster boat. Uh, namely, when I reeled in my first buoy with the, uh, the hook stick that the oyster cages were attached to. Meg said, add a girl. And I said, no, add a buoy. And so that's how <laughs> the house martini was made. Um, uh, welcome martini is uh, a two to one uh, gin martini uh, finished with oyster liquor and garnished with a pearl tipped uh, toothpick uh, spearing a cornichon, which acts as your buoy. So it's a little, little nod to the out boys and a little bit of uh, a little um, sea punnery. I love it. <laughs> Damon loves a pun. I do, especially when it especially comes to... Especially a sea pun. Uh, yeah, a seaworthy a, a pun. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, I... You know, obviously, uh, I've had Grand Army for six years, and like one of the one of the most rewarding things that I kind of figured out early on was, you know, when we were really busy in the beginning, and, you know, we were kind of... We started doing oyster happy hours, and you know, during that period from like four to seven or whenever we were open, um, we just didn't have enough hands to open up oysters. And so 
you know, and the crazy thing was, is, you know, during that time, you know, obviously it's a, a cocktail bar, but, um, you know, with oysters, people were like also drinking wine and beer too. And we had happy hour specials on that. But basically I would just hop over to the oyster station and help shuck for like a couple hours. And it was so much fun because it's something I, I often talk about this industry and all the different things you can do in this industry that involve cocktails without you being a bartender. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're a journalist. I've been a journalist for a long time. So is Souther, uh, and, and he's definitely an author and, and, you know, you can be in that world in this world without simply just being behind the bar. And that's not even simple to begin with, but it's kind of, it, for me, it was really fun because I was like, this is, this is dangerous and fast and thrilling and and it works really well with making cocktails because i mean really i mean your hands are very important you have to be very comfortable with your hands whenever you're making cocktails when you're stirring that's a very kind of awkward thing for a lot of people to to get the hang of shaking mm-hmm. like making sure that the tins are packed the right way there's a lot of technical stuff that you do with your hands and shucking i mean you can i definitely have some scars on my my palm from that knife going the wrong way um so i think it's yeah the uh, the cool thing about the salon is that they're they're learning all of these they're learning how to align their tins they're learning how to properly stir and then they're also learning how to safely and efficiently shuck oysters with them i mean the gloves of course are are not that attractive but i was going to ask yeah you are using the gloves yeah i've had no accidents there are these super thick rubber gloves that we actually use to pull the cages of the oysters out of the Peconic, so nothing is getting through those babies. And people are a little bit nervous, like, oh, it's dangerous, the knife, no. Um, It's dangerous when you use a mesh glove or a pretty glove or, you know, the cheap things that you can get on Amazon. No, we don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I always just did the, I I started just doing the the fold the towel over kind of situation. Yeah, that's gonna be- It's not as great. That's gonna be advanced classes. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but that's, that's actually what got me cut, you know? Um, but yeah, it's always, to me, the cool thing about it's, it's all about those little things that you can do that kind of create more of a bon vivant lifestyle. Right. I mean, like being able to make a cocktail, being able to, you know, tie a bow tie, you know, that's not something that just everyone knows, knowing how to shuck an oyster, knowing how to properly light a cigar, knowing how to play the piano, which I don't, um, (laughs) those those cool classic things that, that you can do that. It's like, wow, you know how to do that too. You're like the there's coolest also, person. There's right. also like something kind of fun and primal about it, you know. It's just like well, yeah. you know, we don't we don't you know hunt our own meat for the cold cuts that we're putting on our sandwiches or, or for <laughs> our hamburgers. But there is something that's kind of you know, it is it is nice to have a little bit of that connection with your food. Like you know, it's it's a it's a fairly minimal amount of effort because an oyster is a very simple organism, but you still have kind of the satisfaction of like, yes, I have I have earned the calories that I'm getting from this delicious animal. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, people seem to have such a deeper appreciation of, you know, where their food is coming from and, you know, how, how much effort goes into preparing a beautiful platter of oysters or oyster happy hour. I mean, people are just like the, the value of oyster happy hour to them is now just off the charts. And, you know, it's it's great also to you know tell the story about how uh, you know how my friend Meg Dow, she's the uh, she's the oyster farmer. So she does this um, pretty much on her own. She occasionally gets a hand from her husband, but she uh, for the most part does this alone or or with a, a mate on the boat. But uh, she's out there in sometimes high seas and snowstorms and you know really rough weather. But I mean, she has to do it. I mean, the oysters have to be tumbled. They have to be sorted. And um, I've been out with her there countless times and it's it's quite remarkable what she's doing. Um, but uh, so yeah, I, I go with her. I hand select uh, anywhere from 100 to 200 oysters to bring back. I use a, um, <laughs> I use a bunch of ice packs and uh, the net bags and I shove them into a, an old Ramoa. <laughs> suitcase and I put it on the jitney and I come back and I've got oysters for up to 10 days. You're like, you're like some kind of clandestine oyster, uh, you know, 
bootlegger. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my very first job ever that got a paycheck, uh, I was 14 years old. I worked at a place called Shuckham's Oyster Bar in my hometown of Panama City oh. Beach, where we shuck them, you suck them. Um, <laughs> My, our, our, our next door neighbor uh, was our biggest competition, Mr. B's. Get it up and keep it up at Mr. B's. Um, so oysters have this sort of like, uh, you know, aphrodisiac and, and it's always sort of uh, uh, listed in, you know, especially the seafood restaurants. They always list those kind of things in their, in their taglines. Um, I want to come back from a break and talk to you a little bit more about oyster sustainability and your desire to have that uh, become a little bit more forward in people's minds. And then uh, there's there's rumor of a new book. So we should come back and talk to Georgette a little bit more about regarding oysters. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Washington Wine. Download the Map My Washington Wine app. It's Map My W-A Wine and get all the Washington wine right in your hand. Washington Wine, this is now. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. You may have noticed that we have a whole new look. We also launched a new website that's going to make your listening easier and more enjoyable than ever before. HRN is the original food podcast network. And as we enter a new chapter in our 12-year history, I want to ask you to invest in HRN for the long haul. If you rely on this show to fuel your food media diet, become a monthly sustaining member today. Our members keep the voice of America's food movement alive and kicking. Your donations support this podcast along with 40 other shows on Heritage Radio Network. Your contribution helps give HRN the security we need to stay on the airwaves throughout the pandemic, and your continued support is allowing us to reopen our studio. Plus, we like to give our regular members special treatment. So sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our secret menu. We've gathered together exclusive discounts and offers from some of your favorite food and beverage brands. So you get to enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors and special deals will come your way throughout the summer. So can you make a gift of five or $10 a month? It'll show me and our whole team at HRN how much this podcast and food radio in general means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, in the virtual studio, we have Georgette Moje Petrowski. And... I lo- I'm I'm so happy to get to talk about this. I've had I've had friends on the show before from other uh, um, oyster farms and other oyster bars, and it's always a fun thing to talk about. I mean, there's you know, as we were talking about you know earlier in the show about how there's a lot of different ways you can be involved in the bar industry without having to be behind the bar. Um, there's a lot of cool things you can do with oysters that um, that's not just about eating the oyster, right? So like. I mean, I remember when we first opened Grand Army, we had Folkspear make an oyster stout for us out of the used shells, you know. And um, also, we forgot to mention that when you're one of the sexiest things about eating oysters is that they're still alive when you eat them, which is pretty crazy. I can't think of anything else that I eat that is still alive when, uh, or consume. Maybe champagne. I guess it's still kind of alive. Um, but <laughs> and ironically, well, it goes uh, great with oysters. It goes great with oysters. Yeah. So. Uh, the two things that are still kind of alive. Anyway, um, but yeah, there's a. Uh, you're doing something with oyster shells, right? With your like business card. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, actually, right now as I'm talking to you, I'm uh, preparing my next batch of business cards. Um, it's one of these ideas in the pandemic when you're just when you just have too much time by yourself and you're like, hmm, you're hatching a new business plan, and it just seems like. Guys, the limit. So, <laughs> so I, uh, what I do is uh, instead of uh, having a billion oyster project, my love, but um, uh, I'm too small of a business for billion oysters to collect my oyster shells from my salons. 
um, at least I'm able to use half of the oyster. So I use the top half of the oyster. I uh, clean it off in a little uh, bleach and vinegar, and I use it as my business card. So um, if I see you out and about and you're interested in my salon, I will hand you my card. Uh, it has my um, my website on it and my Instagram handle, so you can see what's going on. And yeah, it's my oyster card. That's amazing. How are you we, putting the did information? Did we just hear them a little bit? Can you can you hold those up to yeah. the microphone? Was that what, the, what we were hearing a second ago? The sound? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's the shell game. <laughs> How are you putting the information on the uh, the shells? I'm just writing with a uh, very fine tip sharpie. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then she sets up a card table on Canal Street and just kind of scuffles <laughs> them around. Doesn't get any more DIY than that. <laughs> I will tell you this: um, that we we definitely we are partnered up with a billion. Oyster Project at Grand Army. So if you have right. extra shells, I know it's kind of messy and kind of got to, you know lug them around, but uh, we'd be happy to take them off your hands. So yeah, just, I mean, as long know. as they don't need the tops, it's kind of like the muffin bottoms of the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's bottoms only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they care if they get both halves. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to point out, uh, you know, that uh, New York City was at one time the oyster capital of the world. We boasted over uh, 350 square miles of oyster reefs and we produced nearly half the world's oyster population. And in fact, New Yorkers ate a million oysters a day uh, in the late 1800s. And, you know, uh, environmental issues that made the water not as uh, pristine around New York City for for consumption of oysters obviously changed the game quite a bit. Um, But like, I love that, you know, there's a part of what you're doing that is hearkening back to the history of the city in general. Was that, did you give that any consideration when you created this project? Um, Well, Somewhat. Um, Meg and I have uh, worked together on this project from, from the beginning, um, and she she's uh, partnered as well with Billion Oyster, and uh, she's going to be part of their their big uh, celebration uh, in September. Uh, we both are actually, but uh, yeah, sustainability has always been uh, at the at the top of of Meg's harvesting, and what I what I really like to teach to my classes. And uh, with any luck, we'll be able to eat oysters out of the East River in maybe 20 or 30 years with the uh, concerted efforts of Billion Oyster and, and all, of their, all of their attempts to purify that water with, uh, with oysters. Yeah, can we? I, I, I love it. It sounds like we're all big fans of the Billion Oyster Project here. But for our, our listeners who might not already be who might not already know that they love the Billion Oyster Project, even though they do without realizing it. Could you tell a little bit about what what they're doing and what their goal is? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a super cool program. I mean, they're teaching uh, reef conservation and sustainability to high school kids They're bringing them on for a lot of these projects. Um, but Primarily, what they were known for was they would collect all of the oyster shells from bars and restaurants, people that go through like you know, thousands of oysters for their oyster happy hours and such. Um, to they would collect the oysters and they would take them uh, to a site where the shells would be weathered, and uh, once they were ready to be put back into the waters, uh, they, they help with rebuilding the, uh, the reef system in, in our waters and, um, and purifying the water. I mean, something like what a single oyster in its lifetime can purify 40 gallons of water, one oyster. I mean, that, that pop fact just stuck with me so much. Yeah, it's- that's they're, more than I drink in a month. Little organism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it depends on how much I'm sweating. If it's summer, <laughs> eh, maybe close. But yeah, they're they're crazy. They're 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 filter feeders, so they literally just purify the water. Plus, they live in these big reefs, which was really helpful if you have a superstorm, like say a, a Hurricane Sandy, for instance, bearing down on the city. It will really help to slow down the storm surge because instead of pushing along like a nice flat, silty seabed, it has to go through all these little like billions of little cracks and crevices formed by these oysters and it won't hit the shore as hard. Yeah. yeah and we need that. That's a good thing for the listeners. And they're delicious. <laughs> What's not to love about this organism? I mean, yeah. so much you can do as well with every bit of the oyster from, well, I mean, not just making business cards, of course, but, and, and so <laughs> but um, no, the, uh, the cool thing is, is that in these classes that I'm doing, um, 
so once everybody learns to shuck their oysters, everybody gets six and they can add on more if they so desire. But uh, once everybody masters this with uh, what I say is approximately 22 pounds of brute force, pry open that shell, um, they, they're all very satisfied. And for them, they have six oysters, but they're not just going to pair them with mignonette or lemon. Au contraire, we don't do that. We, uh, we actually walk through a series of different pairings. Um, I, uh, I put into their oyster shells everything from, I do the chartreuse vegetal in a little dropper. Um, I do uh, a Madeira luge, so they'll eat the oyster first and combine the Madeira with the oyster liquor that's in the shell. I'll do a Scotch luge in the same concept. So good. Scotch. It's real amazing. Uh, recently, I'm using a lot of things that I brought back from, uh, from an oyster trip. I was just in France and learning about their sustainability efforts and uh, their, their processes there as oyster farmers. But I found some really cool things that I've been using in the salon. Um, everything from a, a cognac vinaigrette to uh, Oregon verjus and then a, a vinegar rouge, which is, it, it looks like a very chic perfume you just spray onto the oysters. And it is, it is such a crowd pleaser. So yeah, there's, there's some really cool pairings in the salon too. There's, there's never really a need for cocktail sauce or mignonette or simplicity of lemon. Um, you know, I, I, I think I only offer lemon and on occasion, a, a special mignonette, but yeah. Um, yeah. everything from, uh, from that to, I do a smoked oyster dip on tea sandwiches sometimes that really is, is fun. Very cool. Yeah. The photos that you post out on your social media, um, are quite enticing. Um, and I've been to the salon, as you mentioned earlier, I, I was there to kind of help you shape the concept. And then uh, I came to an event one evening with some folks. What a lovely time. Uh, and so, I don't know, I think you have a reputation also for having a, a pretty much uh, an aesthetic that you walk around with in your daily life that is obvious in your home. It's just a beautiful space. It's very transportive. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, regarding cocktails. Um, is now being printed in uh, how many uh, languages? And then let's move into the, the whispers of a, a forthcoming book. What, what are you working on, Georgia? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Regarding Cocktails is now in its seventh English printing. I, you know, they should just print more copies. So, you know, we, we don't have this issue. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me. But, uh, yeah, so Faden uh, um, has translated the book uh, into German, into Chinese, into French, uh, there's talks of an Italian issue, but uh, but yeah, uh, so it's it's been doing really well on the shelves, and um, now that it's now that it's back in print, um, it's, it's continuing to sell. Um, I actually offer uh, signed and inscribed uh, and stamped uh, editions of the book on my website uh, that I personally send out. Regardingoysters.com website, or you can, you know, get it on Amazon if you so choose to. But uh, yeah, so so that's regarding cocktails. Uh, the, the book that I'm working on that actually came out of this whole oyster salon and experience that I've had during the pandemic is a, a home entertaining book. Uh, the concept is entertaining for none and some. Um, <laughs> So you're first uh, putting the mask on yourself before you can put the mask on anyone else uh, is basically the concept. You are immersing yourselves in, in what is the most exquisite cocktail party for just one. And then you're moving on to two people and then three and then six is it. Uh, six, I've found, is the maximum amount of guests that you can entertain at home without being completely in the weeds. And right. so much of that is uh, pre-batching and have, having that golden moment to yourself when you look around the room and say, all right, bring them in. But, you know, you usually need to have a cocktail and a Dunhill and <laughs> enjoy that <laughs> moment, uh, you know, 15 minutes before guests arrive. Um, yeah, there's always the the great the great moment of like and now a little liquid courage for the host before Absolutely. everyone shows up. You know you have to take also, <laughs> Yeah. And I and I love like making 
yourself a priority. And I think that that is something that, you know, maybe, I mean, we all had ourselves for company for a very, very long time over the past year and a half. But even before then, I really appreciated, you know, the, the act of if you're making a nice dinner and it's just for yourself, like actually treating yourself to like, I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to make some good stuff and I'm going to plate it up and I'm going to make it look nice because, you know, it's, if you're, gosh darn it, I'm worth it. Exactly. Exactly. No, I've always, I've always felt this way. I mean, I'm, I'm an only child. I've always, for the most part, lived by myself. And, um, and then when my husband passed away, I was like, oh, life of spinsterhood. <laughs> Let's try this. And um, I, I really learned that the most rewarding, uh, rewarding entertaining that one can do is entertaining oneself, preparing yourself a beautiful meal and, you know, listening to records and just filling the room with scent of beautiful candles and flowers and just indulging yourself. And, and yeah, so if, if the people that read this book realize that they should be doing that for themselves first before they attempt to do that on anyone else, then I think that, uh, you know, the state of home entertaining will be in a better place. Yeah, and I think I think that home entertaining certainly during the pandemic <clears throat> has reared its head again. You know, maybe not back to its glory days, um, but uh, I, I do foresee this as a, a you know some something of a hangover after the pandemic has finally cleared. I think people have gotten into the notion of doing stuff at home and making it beautiful, even if it's just for themselves. Maybe they're sharing it on Instagram, so it's not just for themselves. But um, you know, I, I think that that's the trend. Um, how far along and is there any sort of date uh, for this book to come out or, or are we too too early in the process? We are too early in the process. Uh, we are in the pitch process portion of publishing. Um, so uh, right now I, I have my illustrator secured, uh, the lovely Vincent Moustache. Uh, he's, he's such a talented illustrator. I met him uh, when Regarding Cocktails was translated to French at a book party uh, that Nico DeSoto was hosting for me at Danico. And uh, this uh, charming little man who looked like a pint-sized Proust comes up to me and he says, I will illustrate your next book. And so I checked out his illustrations and they were absolutely spot on what I wanted. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've posted a few of them and I, I see them on your uh, uh, social media and I think this this is so Georgette. This, yeah. This, like this is serendipitous. This lines up perfectly. His style is kind of in the, the spirit of Jean Cocteau meets <clears throat> Ruben Toledo meets, uh, gosh, uh, yeah. I mean, he's just got such an ethereal style, but um, so, so, uh, so original, so quirky. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's he's going to be great for the next book. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm shopping it around right now, and I'm several chapters in writing it, so we shall see. Awesome. Well, you know, I know of an oyster bar where you can have your book release party when <laughs> the time comes. <laughs> Thank you. I'll tuck that away. <laughs> the offers are rolling in already. Um, <laughs> George, you have to be vaccinated, though. That's the key. Yeah, yeah, that's the key. Proof. And oh man, uh, well, uh, let's hope that by that time, all this nonsense will be at least in the rearview mirror, if not distantly so. Um, so, Georgette, how can people uh, that are listening, how can a listener get a hold of you to come and visit your salon if they're here in New York, or um, just follow along with what you're doing and stay up to date on on this hopeful, this soon to be released book? Yeah. Or, um, so uh, the whole story behind regarding oysters the press and uh, reservations and the ability to buy a copy of Regarding Cocktails is uh, is at regardingoysters.com. And then on Instagram, follow along on at regardingoystersnyc, one word. Yeah, that's great. And how, like, uh, you know, how difficult is it to get a ticket to, to, to the events? Are you sold out all the time? Are you at capacity? Oh, What's no, there's, there's some room. <laughs> there's there's always some room. Uh, booking in advance is, is a great idea, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, usually uh, Thursdays through Sundays I, I offer the class. Or if um, if there's a very special night uh, a guest needs me to put together on, you know, a Monday through Wednesday, that can be arranged as well. 
Um, but yeah, just uh, make a reservation on there. I do need uh, the cocktails that you want to learn how to make so I can uh, prepare in advance how much to juice and syrups and tinctures and whatnot that we need. And of course, how many oysters I should pull out of the Peconic for class. And uh, yeah, so just I, I need to know how many guests and if you want extra oysters and what cocktails you want to master. Uh, cool. Yeah, I love it. Uh, talk a little bit about that while we still have a couple minutes left. What, what do you mean they get to choose from the book? Yeah, so uh, there's a menu on regarding oysters, uh, all kinds of different uh, cocktails from uh, Milk and Honey Days. And uh, they can choose either uh, something citrusy and refreshing, or they can choose something more heady, like a scotch-based cocktail. Um, all of these things have been carefully chosen to complement oysters. And um, of course, we start class with the Adabui martini, a little tiny teeny format. And uh, yeah, so they, they choose their drinks. And when they get here, they get um, two uh, laminated uh, pages from regarding cocktails. And it shows the, uh, the recipe and, of course, tells the story behind these cocktails. And then I'm here to, to guide them to make sure that they don't shake their shakers at each other. <laughs> <laughs> avert disasters and, uh, you know, uh, have them sing a few bars of Brazil in the spirit of De Graaf. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, nice. that's, that's the, the process. And uh, yeah, then we do the, uh, the oyster pairings. It's actually been a really cool uh, process of how I can actually do all of this legally because I'm not, I'm not selling cocktails to people. I'm selling an experience to them. So they buy an experience. It's uh, it's 150 a person. It comes with two cocktails, a half a dozen oysters, and lessons on both. And uh, of course, a lot of different canapes passed through the night, and some other little surprises and tastings and such. But yeah, value value is is there, of course, and uh, and the experience of being completely immersed in this uh, gorgeous parlor. I mean, I'll go on the record as saying uh, when I when I was asked uh, last year to help you. And by the way, I can't even believe it was last September when I was asked last year to help you uh, get this thing uh, at least organized and shaped. Um, uh, and I, and then when I got to attend one, you know, as a as a guest, you know, uh, the the value is incredibly there. I kept telling you, you should charge more. <laughs> I think I have you so, on, on my website. Is that your quote? She should charge. Oh, uh, yeah, charge more. <laughs> uh, so you know th that's just my endorsement of the of of the program that you offer to the listener. Like uh, if you if you if you want to go and and the price tag is, maybe is uh, uh, seems intimidating, just understand that you're going to get a tremendous bang for that buck. Uh, it's just it's a gorgeous environment, uh, and the things that you get to see and do and experience while you're in that space with Georgette in this very intimate way is uh, worth worth every penny and, and more. A bargain at twice the price, I always say. <laughs> um, well, Georgette, what a pleasure to finally have you on the show. I'm so glad that uh, Regarding Oysters is going so well and that, and that Regarding Cocktails is still out there dominating uh, and being printed in other languages all over the world. Um, really enjoyed having you on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much, Southern. I really, really had fun. And, uh, and thank you again so much for uh, you know, just kicking me out of the comfort nest and getting this program launched. I mean, when you when you first came by and you uh, polished up my, my shaking and stirring skills and uh, gave me all sorts of tips I, I wouldn't have thought of for, for entertaining, uh, you you really made that a bright spot on, on launching this program. So I am forever grateful for... Happy, happy to help. So happy to help. I would like to add that if you want to see two things that Southern never does, go to regardingoysters.com. There's a photo of him smiling and shaking a cocktail at the, at same, the time. same time. At the same time? Dear God. It's uh, like yeah. a double rainbow. Yeah, it's pretty it's I I I think I only know it's him because of the glasses, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, while you're on there, you can also see uh, Hannah Lee, uh, I think, stirring a cocktail herself, something that she never does. She never makes cocktails. <laughs> yeah, you cool. get people you get people out of their um, out of their comfort zones, exactly. uh, which is a great thing. Yeah, it's contagious. <laughs> so much fun. All right, fine. We'll see you Friday. Twist her arms. <laughs> yeah. Come on over. <laughs> I mean, absolutely should, Greg. It's it's quite an experience. Um 
Uh, well, before we wrap up the show, I just want to remind everyone that uh, on the 26th, uh, Jack Schramm and I are doing a thing called Guest Shift. Jack Schramm, of course, from uh, Booker and Dax and Existing Conditions, sort of a mad scientist of the cocktail world. Uh, we're doing a live stream. Um, you can go to my Instagram, Creative Drunk, uh, and check out uh, uh, how to get tickets to that. Uh, we're going to make a couple of cocktails and teach you virtually, not so much like Georgette does in, in the comfort of her own home. Um, but it's going to be a real good time, and I highly recommend that you do it. We're going to send you a box that has everything you need to make some cocktails, minus the booze. you got to pick up the booze because we can't mail you that stuff. Uh, but go check that out on my Instagram um, and join Jack and I on the 26th for a live stream. If you can't be there for the live part, uh, if you sign up for it, you still have access to the video. and You can watch it on demand whenever you like, but you just won't get to obviously interact with us live. Um, so that's all I've got. Gentlemen, anything more to say? You want to take us out? That's it. That's it. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show again. And, uh, I, I'm just, I, I, I love talking about oysters and cocktails. So what a great, what a great time we've had here today. So thanks again, Georgette. Absolutely. All right. So that's it for the speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. And also check out regardingoysters.com, a wonderful website full of great information on how you can go and hang out with one of the coolest people we've ever had on the show and in life. So (laughs) until next week, y'all. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the air. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.